Stop the spring gardening. Sit down and listen to episode 108 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things mediation. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now, your host, Jason Lavoy. All right, welcome everybody. We are at episode 108 of the podcast, and today we have a great guest for you, Ben Stitch. He is a professional mediator. Um, now, if you've been dealing with divorce or doing some research on your own or listening to me for a while, then you probably have heard the word and term mediation used. But it amazes me that a lot of people are not really accurate as far as how the process works, what's the point, what are you supposed to do, uh, everything. So I thought it was a good idea to have Ben on and talk about all things mediation. Uh, so you can hear it from the horse's mouth, as they say. Now, as a, an attorney, I'm also a trained mediator. I've done it myself, but I want you to hear it. Uh, from somebody else and I want you to hear it from somebody who this is all he does this is mediation that's all he does some people are professional mediators and that's Ben so let me tell you a little bit about him he's a divorce co-parenting and a family mediator he has mediated hundreds of divorces helping families stay in control of their decisions while saving time money and of course heartache he also mediates to resolve conflict and improve communication between co-parents, spouses, parents, teens, adults, children, siblings, relatives, you name it. He's also a divorce coach uh, in for divorces following the collaborative law model. And if you don't know about collaborative law, I've also done some episodes with collaborative lawyers uh, that talk about it. It's a very interesting and effective process, uh, but has very specific rules that everybody needs to follow. So check out my episodes on collaborative law if you don't know about that. Uh, he's also an instructor for the William James College's High Conflict Co-Parenting Program, and he trains collaborative problem-solving um, for MGH Psychiatry's Think Kids program. All right? Um, I'll tell you more about where you can find Ben at the end, but right now let me get right into it, and let's talk mediation with Ben Stitch. Ben, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. Um, so the way I start off is, you know, I sound like a broken record sometimes, and I keep saying I'm going to do it differently, but here I am doing the same thing. But it's a good first question for people who are not familiar with you. Give everybody a little bit uh, of your background and kind of the path you took to get where you are today. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm a mediator. I mediate divorces and a whole host of other types of family disputes, whether it be marital issues or parenting disputes, um, uh, conflict with family members, adult siblings over end-of-life decision-making with parents or any other type of dispute. Happy to get into that more deeply. The majority of my work is divorce. Um, and I got here actually in a circuitous path, um, very different than some other mediators. Um, I have a social work background. Um, and so I ran a treatment program for adolescent girls for many years, several decades ago, worked in high school. I do some work with um, Massachusetts General Hospital, Department of Psychiatry as a consultant. Um, but long story short, about 
I don't know, 13 or 14 years ago, I, I finally bit the bullet and took a mediation class at the urging of a longtime friend and mediator. And had been bugging me for a decade and told me I was perfect fit for it. And he was right. Um, so I took the training, fell in love with the work, completely pivoted my career and um, have been mediating full time for a long time now. And that's awesome. And you and I know each other. Uh, we just actually met each other a few weeks ago for the first time. So we're getting to know each other better. But I can tell you, um, even as another, you know, professional, and I'm trained in mediation myself, I've done it, you know, hundreds of times as an attorney, you, you do you you have that persona of a mediator, it's very, <laughs> very calming, <laughs> very calming presence. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, part of my goal is to make people feel comfortable. This, I, I imagine you share sometimes with people in your coaching practice that next to the loss of a loved one, divorce can be this next most stressful experience someone can go through. Yep. Um, and I'm um, so folks are making these massive decisions about their kids and their finances and their futures. All the while they're in the midst of the emotions, the emotions, the, the myriad of layers of emotions that people are going through. So try to make it as manageable and as comfortable as possible. I think that's part of my role. Um, right. But I have a sense you're naturally like that too. If you're not, don't tell me. I want I, I want to keep the allure. <laughs> um, I Well, that's awfully nice of you to say. Um, I, I'd say most of the time. You all, listen, we all have our moments. Don't, you know, come on, we're humans. Absolutely. You got uh, it. Um, so mediation is one of these processes that, you know, has been around, you know, I don't know when it first started to be honest with you, but it's been around a while. Um, yet I feel like it's still, there's like this cloud of mystery that, that surrounds it for people. Um, so uh, let's talk about for those listening who think they know what mediation is, but they aren't sure, or, you know, maybe they'll learn something new about it. What, how would you describe the process of mediation to like a layman? It's a great question. And I've had four consultations today. So I got my spiel down. Okay. You're warmed up. <laughs> I am warmed up. Uh, you know, mediation is a structured process that's led by a third party facilitator who's going to um, facilitate the conversation or the negotiation, depending on how you want to frame it for yourself um, to help facilitate effective communication, make sure that um, everyone who's involved interests are heard and understood and the solutions that are being generated address what's most important to both people. We call it interests. So whatever their goals or fears or concerns might be. And in a divorce scenario that also you know, satisfies whatever expectations um, a court may have. Um, and the mediator is always impartial. So it's really important for folks who go through mediation to trust the mediator's neutrality. Uh, and so I do view one of the roles of the mediator, especially in a divorce setting, is to educate, just like you do a lot. Right. You probably even do more, uh, Jason. Um, uh, and I always try to describe this like fine line between education and advice giving. Um, and as a mediator, I can give education, uh, explain things, provide resources, make referrals. And advice giving is something that you would have to get from someone outside the process. Because invariably, if I were to weigh in and give my opinion on something, one person will be pleased with what I have to say. The other will be 
What are you talking about, Ben? Um, and the, the trust breaks down. Right. Uh, and then the mediation um, doesn't um, move forward. So the bottom line is it's a really structured process that, at least from my practice, is a very flexible process. Um, every mediation looks different and is structured slightly differently um, to ensure effective communication, effective problem solving, uh, and conflict resolution. Um, one of the misconceptions, you got to interrupt me when you want to, Jason, because I'll talk ad nauseum about mediation. But one of, the over here. Go, go. Uh, one of the misconceptions of mediation is that it's only effective for the most cooperative of people um, or, or relationships. Uh, and I think that's a, um, a myth. A mediation is a conflict resolution model. Um, uh, and the, the, the home, one of the hallmarks of mediation is that it's voluntary, or hopefully it is. I know in some states there's involuntary mediation, but generally speaking. Non-binding right, or right. It usually is non-binding. It's definitely non-binding. Um, uh, and uh, so the mediation, first of all, because it's voluntary, it means that those who are involved have skin in the game. Um, and so even if it's a very high conflict dynamic and they're choosing to participate in the mediation process, which is a confidential process, um, uh, then um, there's a higher likelihood of um, success with whatever those individuals define as success. Um, and it just gives folks so much more control over the outcome because they're the decision makers. And in particular, one of the motivators that got me into mediation, besides just enjoying helping foster collaboration and effective communication, is um, the benefit for uh, parents who are in a high conflict situation and, the, and the, the, the positive impact that can have on their children and their children's childhood experiences and setting them up for a successful adult life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I want to touch on that in a minute. But before... I lose my train of thought. You brought up a good point that I wanted to just talk a little bit more about because I think it's it's something that is unique about mediation, but maybe people have a misconception about. And that is the fact that you don't have to be necessarily cooperative. If, every, if everybody was so cooperative, you probably wouldn't need the process of mediation, um, right, to, to settle your disputes. So you can have that conflict there um, but I think you have to have both people, like you said, it's voluntary. So you have to have skin in the game. You have to want to give it a good faith effort, right? If, if yeah. one side or one party to the mediation isn't really sincere about it, it's not going to work. Will it? Not always, but I wouldn't say that as a definite, I'll give you an example. I remember yeah. mediation this was actually early on in my career some agreements, some divorce agreements have dispute resolution clauses, or some people uh, refer to them as mediation clauses. It says something to the effect of if you have a dispute in the future post-divorce and you can't resolve it on your own before resorting to court to resolve your dispute, you must make, you must attend a mediation session. Right. So I, I always will remember this, this family. Um, they called me and, and father said, I just let, I'm just letting you know. I'm showing up because I have to. I have no interest in mediation, but my agreement says I have to, and the judge won't hear me out unless I can tell them I went to mediation. So I'm going to pay my few hundred dollars to you. We're going to do this, and I'm going to move on. Okay. And then we had the mediation session, and they were there. 
Um, and I set the stage and facilitated the conversation. It was not easy. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, the smoothest of mediations. But they left. They scheduled a second one. Okay. Right. Why did they schedule a second one? Because all of a sudden it was like, oh, there might be a path forward. And boy, is this going to be a lot cheaper than hiring my attorneys to litigate these matters. Yep. And we had the second session and they came to an agreement. Um, now, is it always like that? No. And um, he didn't want to be there. But he was there. And they found a way to, to have some give and take in a manner that was like, it wasn't a great disagreement for him from his standpoint, but it definitely was something he could live with, especially because it was financially related. And when you map that against the cost of right. litigating. Right. Uh, and the time yeah. and cost. Yeah. Time and cost and heartache. Right. Um you just brought up another point that I want to touch with you about. I, I should write this down before I forget, but I, I got to ask you this next question. In that in that specific um, mediation that you you're just discussing with us, if you can, what what how did you or what did you do technique wise to kind of get him to buy in? Uh, he didn't want to be there. I, I I've dealt with that scenario too. You show up, and you know they got the arms crossed. Yeah. Um, yeah. all right, say what you got to say so I can leave, you know, um, so how did you do it? How did you get him to, to buy in? Well, I, I, I will, um, I can share briefly about that case, but I, I, I'd love to actually answer that through a different case that I'm currently okay. in, um, uh, because I've made some changes in my practice of so many years ago, but I, I did a lot of stage setting at the beginning, like really like made it like named the fact that he didn't want to be there. Um, so everything was out in the open. Um, set really clear expectations about my role. Um, uh, gave them an opportunity to share what their goals and hopes were. Um, um, I did meet with each of them privately as part of the process um, when the temperature started to rise. And sometimes um, we call that, not to interrupt you, Ben, but sometimes at least... Attorneys call that caucusing. You yes. might call it something yeah. else. That's the yes. no. That's the yeah. That's the jargony way of saying it. I know, um, that's such a bad um, one. <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, that's what we call it in mediation training, um, for sure. Um, caucusing. Um, but you said you told me to use layman terms, so I was following your directions. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just, I was just... <laughs> yeah, just joking. Oh man, All right. go go on. I got my head in my my lap now. You told me we were supposed to have fun with this. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, so we caucused a little bit. I asked a lot of questions. I did a ton of summarizing and reflecting, um, so that he really felt like I heard him and understood and that helped lower the temperature. Um, we took breaks when it just got a little peaked. Um, we had water and snacks on hand, it, you know, all those type of things. Snacks um, help so many situations, don't they? I find oh, yes. Across I bring life. snacks to court all the time. <laughs> So, but it, you made me think of a, a current case I have where um, it's early on, so I don't know how it's going to proceed. But what I do now in these types of cases, I always start with a um, what I call a one-on-one pre-mediation session, which is it's basically an hour-long caucus, pre-caucus, I guess. Um, but an opportunity for me to meet with each client individually, so they if they feel like it's really important for me to understand their story, right. They can share that with me offline so that when we meet in the mediation, it's more future oriented. 
and they feel some trust and um, you know connection with me. And then I help I help them think through what are their goals and priorities, where are the communication traps that exist between you and your former spouse, um, where you envision the sticking points. And now that you we've identified all those things, let's think step back proactively and how do you want to navigate that? What can you do? What can I do? What um, and it allows um, the process to be much more um, future oriented. So I had an initial one-on-one session with a set of parents last week. And one, um, the father is kind of like this other father I talked about. He They're, they're doing this because they have to, but they right. do have pending litigation. Um, and he was very upfront that he was skeptical, um, very respectful, um, um, just just skeptical um, that there'd be any point of success here. Um, and by the end of our meeting, he was able to identify the goals he had in an affirmative way. He had a plan for some remarks that he wants to share with his co-parent at the beginning of the first session that were going to be kind of affirmative in terms of the opportunity potentially to reset and to use this as an opportunity. Um, um, and, you know, I mean, he's going in clear eyed. Um, likewise, um, the mother is a little more hopeful and optimistic. Um, uh, so we don't know what will happen, but he led at the beginning of the meeting. We're going to schedule one session and it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And then by email, they said, well, why don't we schedule a few in case we need it? Uh, That's a good sign. So I don't know. There's no guarantees of outcomes, right? Sure. Ultimately, it's their process and they'll have to make decisions. How, um, how, how many sessions, I know everyone is different. Um, every mediation is different, but on average, how, how many sessions do, would you meet with people to, before you say, all right, this isn't going to work. You know, we gave it our, we gave it a shot. It's amazing, Jason. You, uh, an hour ago, um, a prospective client in a very high complex situation asked me that exact question. Uh, See, that's how I know. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I would say, um, I've only personally terminated mediation twice on my on my call, um, um, where okay. I felt it was inappropriate to continue. Um, there have been times when I've checked in with the parties to ask them how it was going and get their feedback and um, assess whether or not they feel like this was a good use of their time and their resources. Right. Um, and sometimes that leads to them withdrawing. Sometimes I'm surprised and like, no, this is amazing. This is great. And in my head, I'm feeling terribly guilty because we're so many sessions in. And I, it seems to me that they're making slow progress. But I, what I found is you never, everyone assesses progress differently. Some mediations I think are going to be really quick, sometimes end up being slower. And other ones that I think are going to just be slog fest, end up actually being really quick and efficient. Um, so at the end of the day, unless there was like a safety reason or an ethical reason, um, you know, I view it as my opportunity to help to help the clients think through whether or not they think it's a good use of their time. Yeah, as long as they're finding it useful, you're good. You'll go. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, no, that makes perfect sense. The we we spoke a little bit about you know the fine line that you as a mediator. Uh, have to walk between being a facilitator, but not an advice giver. 
right? Because uh, once you cross the line into advice, mm-hmm. then your your neutrality can be questioned. But how do you maintain that line? It's hard. Um, I know because I've I've walked it many times myself, and there are points in every mediation or negotiation where somebody will say something that it's just so kind of, you know, I don't know how I should phrase this, either black and white or blatantly factually wrong or just not where where you, where you have to almost, you feel like you got to side with the other person saying, well, no, that's not exactly right. Or, you know, how do you handle situations like that? Because I, I, I know they come up. Um, mm-hmm. And so how do you remind yourself and how do you handle that? It's a great question. I, really I can't come up with a good example, but maybe you can. Uh, yeah, I'll probably. I, I'll try to come up with an example or two. I feel like I'm hearing two parts of the question. One is, how do I manage my own kind of internal thought process and emotional reactions if I think someone's being unreasonable? And the second is, how do I help the process if I think they're doing something or making some assumptions or decisions that are based off of just objectively inaccurate information? Is that? Yeah, I guess that's kind of fair. Part of it is all part of it is right. How do you manage your own internal biases, right? Um, if somebody says something that you personally don't agree with, you got to kind of put that aside and and keep your your mediator hat on. Um, but if somebody said something, uh, I wish I could, my memory's shot, um, in my old age, but like, if somebody said something, um, in the mediation and we'll just usually, you know, let's just say it's, it's, you know, dad, um, just as an example, he says, you know, just something that's so objectively from everything else that you've heard wrong or inaccurate um but you know if if um mom said that you know he'd blow up at her because it's a trigger or or for whatever reason but you almost feel compelled that you have to take mom's side on that one point but how do you do that or do you not do that at all well i would try very hard to do it in a way that doesn't look like i'm taking sides right and instead I mean, I, I can, so I don't know if this is what an example that you're thinking about, but for example, let's say uh, in Massachusetts, marital property division is subject to two legal standards, fair and reasonableness and an equitable distribution. Right. Um, and so if someone comes in and says, you have to give me half of the equity, it's 50-50, there's no discussion there. Um you know, I'll facilitate that. I'll summarize it. And then I might say, I'm wondering if it'd be helpful if I could give you just a a little bit more information actually about the legal standards around property division. Right. Massachusetts, it's called this. And that actually, that might be 50-50, but there are some circumstances when it might not be 50-50. And so I just want you both to understand that. Um, um, So that might be one approach where I try to refer back to objective standards versus saying, Jason, no, you got it wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, um, he's right. Right, right. Uh, Don't um, sometimes that. I have to use the caucus thing, right? So I can have like a more upfront and direct conversation without um, alienating him or putting him on the spot um, in any manner. 
Um, and if I've done a good enough job building rapport, hopefully I have enough kind of cachet or money in the bank to be able to do that. Right. Um, I don't know. Are those kind of, is that, that what you're getting at? Yeah, that was perfect. Um, actually, especially the, the last part where, you know, you said, because mediation is such a flexible process that you can break it up and speak to them individually, not always together. And that, you know, individual, those individual conversations um, can be where, you know, the majority of the work gets done. Um, you could be more direct with the person. Um, you still have to be tactful, of course. But if you if you do have some rapport with them and built up, uh, what did you say? Cash? Cache? No. Cache? I don't know. I made that up. Built up equity. How about that? Yeah. I don't know where I pulled that one out of them. Uh, built up equity, you know, like, right. You can be a little more blunt and, and they'll be more accepting of that. Right. Um, I call that giving it, giving people the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> That's what I do. As a yeah. Coach. It's reality testing. Right. Right. Um, uh, another approach. I mean, there's so many ways to navigate this, but you, in listening to you, you made me think of a case I had where I thought, what wife was trying to do was not only, I don't know, on a whole host of ways that like, I don't think it would have ever passed muster in court. Um, it seemed um, just wildly imbalanced. Um, and I did some of my standard things. And it, and and so at one point I said, I, I was upfront with both of them. I said, look, we're in mediation. Um, at the end of the day, you can decide to do what you want. I want to be upfront with you. I am not sure if this will get approved by the court. Right. And I really urge you each to consult an attorney. Um, uh, and then I made some referrals actually to, you know, try to identify attorneys I thought would be the right fit personality for each of them, but also um, with an expertise in, that, expertise in that specific area. So in that case, I was relying on um, my hope and expectation without actually explicitly stating it that the attorney would say no go right, right? and and rely on other expert advisors right like, like you right in a, in a process that can provide some of that feedback to be able to maintain the sanctity of the of the mediation process so it wasn't me functioning as the referee um, it was look here's what you want to do I want to acknowledge it's 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 um, untraditional. It's not for me to tell you whether or not you should do it. And I think you should get some advice on it. And then you go get the advice and then they come back with that information. And then we continue to mediate it. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to hear from somebody else. Um, right. And, and not from, you know, the, the facilitator, the neutral. Um, well, and, and I and remember when you and I talked, Jason, you talked, which I really appreciated, was the idea that we all have our lane as professional. Right. And we each need to stay in our lane. Um, and I know for you and your divorce coaching practice, you're very clear with people about what you can do and what you can't do and the education you provide. And um, so that when someone's pushing you to go outside your lane, I would bet that it's easy to explain to them why you can and can't help them in certain ways. Just like I'm so upfront about my role as a, um, uh, around impartiality. Right. Uh, that I can, it's not, I don't know. Like the clients seem to be okay with it when I say, ah, you know, 
because I think they respect that, you know, rather than coming up with all the answers or trying to, you know, merge into somebody else's lane. Um, I think people respect the honesty. Um, and I, I think it creates, builds credibility and, and maintains the integrity of what you're trying to do. Um, that's just my, my two cents on it. But you brought up a, another point, which I think we'll probably end on because I told you time flies when you're having fun. Um, it's fun. But, and I think we spoke about this last time you just, you and I spoke privately, but the, the, the idea, I get questions asked all the time. Do you people need an attorney to come with them to the mediation? Um, or do most of your mediations happen without attorneys? You know, and I, you know, for example, in New Jersey, where I am, most mediations, especially if it's a mediation that's part of a, a litigated matter and the court is, I've always found this to be just dysfunctional, but the court orders them to go to mediation, right? Which is voluntary, but they don't have a choice. Um, but it's one of those situations. Um, attorneys will always go to the mediation with the client mm. on both sides. Um, so you have the mediator, two attorneys and two clients. <laughs> um, it's a busy room. How does that work with your mediations and what do you, what, what's your thoughts on it? Just regardless, you know, is it something that you think people should consider? When should they consider it? Great question. Um, so in my practice, I would say well over 80% of my divorce or legal mediations do not directly involve attorneys. Um, um, having said that, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Um, I think for most couples who are going through mediation, the preferred option is, for me, is that not have them in the room so that you can negotiate directly because especially if their parents are going to be co-parents for life, they're going to be grand, hopefully grandparents together. So they have to figure out how to communicate. Right. Um, and, um, and, but have attorneys and a limit as limited representation to consult with offline in between meetings as a coach, so to speak, you know, or, or go to someone like you, um, you know, if you just need some, you know, you know, checks and balances and want someone to bounce things off of. Um, so I think that's, um more cost effective sure uh, oh, having having and more empowering it allows i think the couple to make ultimately better decisions um but not always i think there are times when either because there's a power differential that i can't bridge on my own um or whether because of money or emotional uh behavioral stuff um that sometimes having attorneys in the room can help level the playing field. Sometimes attorneys in the room um, can help clients just make quicker decisions because they can get advice in real time. Right. So having to, you know, go in and out and in and out. Um, um, and there's always a risk with having attorneys in the room. They change the tone. Um, uh, right. So or Right. Or they could, they could uh, sometimes they're part of the problem. Oh, without with they absolutely can be, but they also can be really supportive. I remember a mediation where I worked with this couple for a long time. I would say moderate to high conflict, um, but they really wanted to mediate. They got stuck with like two 
they worked at their whole parenting thing, but they got really stuck on some complex financial matters. And so we decided that they would invite their attorneys for the final session. Okay. And they both hired very collaboratively oriented attorneys. That um, helps. And I did a little prep with them. Um, they didn't want to meet in a four way with the, them without me in the room because of the relationship I forged with them. And they worked it out. Their attorneys were incredibly helpful. Um, and they could check in with them and say, you know, here's like within, here's what's reasonable. And they could, you know, one of them parties was just not confident in understanding these complex financial matters like stock options. Right. And, um, and uh, so having her attorney there was really helpful. Um, and in that case, it was great. And it was a limited, it was a limited scope. And the beauty about that situation, um, just from the limited information you gave us, is that from my standpoint, see, the attorneys were there and present and were helpful. But in that particular situation, they, they stayed in their lane and, and they yes. didn't, um, you know, muck it up uh, for lack of a more finesse term there, um, where some, you know, would see their role as to do that. Um, so, yeah, the choice of attorney is, I think, extremely important. Um and which is what I, I tell people all the time, you know, you gotta, and you can find an attorney easy peasy, but finding the right attorney for you is, is the art of it. Yeah. Well, that's where you come in. That's where I come in. Right. Yes. <laughs> hey, how did this turn into me? what it's about me? No, <laughs> it's all about being mutually beneficial. Right? Uh, <laughs> you're making me feel like a narcissist, but no. <laughs> no. Oh gosh. Wow. That backfired then. No, I know. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I kid, I kid, but we are um, almost out of time. I thought this was really great. You know, I feel like we could talk about it for uh, hours, um, but hopefully it, it, you know, shed some light and, and confirmed maybe some thoughts people had about mediation or, you know, clarifies the misconceptions maybe that they had about it. Now, do you help people? I don't know in Massachusetts, but can you help people mediate outside of Massachusetts? I can. Um, and, and thank you for asking that question. Sure. Um, and if I could just take like 30 seconds to 15, the answer is yes. Um, and it looks differently with different types of mediations. So in a divorce scenario, um, I mediate out of state when both parties have their own attorneys to make sure that they're addressing the legal standards, but right. I can help facilitate the negotiation. Um, a non-divorce matters. I mediate with people out of state all the time. Um, you know, you know, siblings who live all over the country, adult siblings who live all over the country or post-divorce where the parties have moved uh, to different states or moved to different countries. Um, uh, so, yeah, there are no boundaries. And, you know, I'd say 95% of my mediations now are by Zoom. Um, right. Pivoted like the rest of the world. And it's actually created real great opportunity for some families who otherwise wouldn't be able to get some of the assistance because of the ge geographic um, barriers. Yeah. And I think that's the the great thing about, you know, the technology that we have today is that, um, you know, I, I tell people picking a mediator is just as important as choosing the right attorney for their situation. You know, there's a lot of mediators out there, but it's like a therapist, you know, not everyone might be right for you. And, and, mm -hmm. and so, um, if they find somebody they like, or I can introduce them to somebody that I think would be helpful for them, and it's a good fit, right? The the, the lack of uh, obstacles geographically um, mm -hmm. is it, so it's so great, I, I think. So yeah.
Well, that's great. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I have to have you on again in the future. Let everybody know where they can find you. Hey, well, first of all, thank you, Jason. This was fabulous. I think you're great. And this was really fun. Um, so my the easiest way to find me is on my website, benstitch.com, which is B-E-N-S-T-I-C-H.com. So just one T, not like Lilo and Stitch or Stitch and Time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and my email is ben at benstitch.com uh, and my um, number 617-872-7731 or contact right. Jason. Right, yes, I'll, I'll be your secretary. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can get all that information if you're listening will be in the show notes so you don't you don't have to get into an accident trying to write it down. Um, but I encourage you to reach out if you are interested in mediating uh, for your personal situation, definitely reach out to Ben. Um, I think he's great. I don't even know him that well, and I'm saying that, so that tells you a lot. Um, ben, thank you again for for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben. He is a fabulous guy, a great mediator, and if you are in his local area or even if you are not and you fall into one of the categories that he is able to mediate from wherever uh, you are located, then definitely consider uh, talking to him about how he can help you, um, especially with, you know, using Zoom these days. Um, everybody knows how to do it. It can be quite effective um, and maybe something to consider doing a Zoom mediation with Ben uh, if you can't find somebody that you like in your neck of the woods. So if you're looking for help with your divorce and you're looking for some coaching or you just want to reach out and say hi, you can reach me at jason at jasonlavoy.com. My website is jasonlavoy.com. I do group and one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, for those depending on your resources and needs. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please, I would love it if you left a kind review on Apple Podcasts um, and you know, it doesn't have to be long, but it really helps spread the word um, and shows me that you are enjoying the effort that I am putting into this. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.